beginning transmission 読書。毎週漫画の読書のザッタラバンドはスラッシュアマチュアニュースしようと漫画とピアカクテルバーです。And if you don't like it, blame William. Take a drink anytime Mr. Porg decides to interject himself into the conversation. Shut up, Porg. You need to take a drink anytime Manny Bothans makes an appearance and I get groans and fuck yous from Adam and Maya. Fuck Manny Bothand! Manny Bothand is pure genius. Take a drink anytime someone refers to me as the cum dumpster. Take a drink every time the shame bell makes an appearance. Shame! Also, take a drink anytime uh, we act like the member berries from South Park. Remember when they were on South Park? I'm I a member. Yeah, and take a drink every time we do the bad German accent, yeah. Ah, drink, fucker! If you have any suggestions for rules you would like to add, Email us at funnybooksandfirewater at gmail.com or use the contact link on our website, funnybooksandfirewater.com. Oh, uh, no crafts at Todd's house? It was crafts yesterday. Oh, crafty bitches yesterday? Yes, crafts yesterday when Todd was very kind to help uh, me and Clark move all of his shit. So. Yeah, yes. my nieces were there with Amy and they were doing their thing. Gotcha. So. Was this the niece who asked you about your tattoo? Yep, yep, that's the one. You that's know. Awesome. That little 10-year-old is going to give her parents hell. It's going to be great. <laughs> so I see her about once a month or so at family events. And Friday night, I had gone over and we met up. And this 10-year-old girl just runs up to me and says, Todd, Todd, is your tattoo all healed up now? <laughs> now, keep in mind, when did we get this thing, Brian? It's been like three months. I We've think. had it three months, months now. Yeah. So it's been healed up for a while. But the very first thing out of her mouth when she sees me is... How is your tattoo doing? Can I see it? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, your parents are not going to be happy with you as a teenager. <laughs> I'm happy with you for being a bad influence on her when she has 40,000 tattoos. Yeah, that's true, too. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's what uh, free agency is for. Yeah. So, I always forget you two have a tattoo. Well, I, well, yeah, Todd and I have matching tattoos. Well, and you have the tattoo as well. Yeah, we all have Batman, Batman tattoos. tattoos. Yeah. yeah so does, and so does Clark. It was his first tattoo. Yes, so Andy and Maya still need tattoos of Batman. Uh, Andy is suspiciously quiet. 
Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I'll, I'll pass on that one. I think if I were going to get a comic theme tattoo, it would probably be Captain America, not Batman. I've been severely tempted recently to get the Pantheon from Wicked and the Divine. Um, and get like the the circle, all the different circles with all the different symbols inside of it. I think that would actually be really cool. I need to catch up on that because like I, it's in my hold, and I've got like fifteen issues I need to read. Yeah, I have the most recent trade that I haven't finished yet. In fact, I'm looking at it right this very second. Um, I have a few that I need to catch up on. But um, anyway, hey, welcome to episode one thirty three. This is Jughead: The Hunger, um, another edition of uh, a Halloween book from uh, the Archie Gang in Riverdale. Uh, we're missing one. Mr. Maya is at his dad's wedding. For some reason, he thought that was more important. Well, than they do have us. an open bar, so and he's having like filet mignon. Yeah, sure. So he's having filet mignon in an open bar, and we're reading comic books and 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 having cocktails. So you know, it, it sort of evens out one way or the other. Good uh, for you. Oh, good for um, you. <laughs> I don't even have to play the drop. Adam will just do it for me like a trained monkey. Good for you. Um, <laughs> So, uh, speaking of our trained monkey, we have Mr. Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Adam from uh, Big Shiny Robot and uh, sometimes Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Hi, everybody. Um, still working that out. And then, <laughs> uh, of course, here and also on Cinema Queens with our good friend Chris Stout. Hi, Hi Chris Stout. Hi. Uh, and also curating our Scruff, Grinder, and Tights with a Z accounts. Speaking of Bored as Hell, we have the other co-host of Bored as Hell, Pinch Hitting for us and filling in for Mr. Maya, we have Andy Wilson. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's me. I'm back. Um, I, I heard we were talking about Jughead and werewolves, and I'm like, I'm going to get in on that. So Exactly. And we're happy you were, you were able to join us. Yeah. Uh, find me writing over at Graphic Policy, where I uh, mostly uh, do movie reviews, sometimes comics, um, uh, and also... Check out the podcast over at thehallofgreatness.com. We also have with us, uh, as we do almost every single week when he is not in the hospital, we have Mr. Todd. Hey, it's me. Not in the hospital this week, but who knows what <laughs> next week brings, right? Right. So you can find me here. I'm as a co-panelist on Funny Books and Firewater. I also do the English class hooligans with our producer himself and my better half, Amy. Hi, Hi Amy. Amy. There we go there. Yeah, I'm based out of Salt Lake. If you see me around, say hi. It's good to be here. Cool. And uh, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California. And apparently I have shows to do again this coming summer because I got an email about it. Assuming that I was going to sign a contract with them, I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess that's a thing. Anyway, so we'll figure out how that all works. Um, Charge more this year. (laughs) I might have to charge more. Uh, I haven't charged more for the last couple of years. I've been pretty good, but I know they also freak out when they see how much I'm being charged. Book intro. Okay, well, so this book, as we said before, is uh, Jughead the Hunger. The uh, Hunger. It's pretty much what you expected. It's it's a werewolf story centered werewolf. around Jughead. Werewolf. Um, werewolves. Werewolves. Their castle. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Just remember that. Right. Uh, apparently, they were supposed to make like a spinoff movie, actually, with the swearwolves. Well, apparently they did a TV show that's on Amazon, someone was telling me. Is it? Yeah, they did like a TV show that's the cops, and then they are doing the spinoff movie as well, which is the uh, the werewolves. Huh. I think it's but, currently uh, only available in New Zealand. They haven't done the international rights, but 
We all oh, okay. like people keep bothering Jermaine Clement on Twitter and Taika Waititi uh-huh. like when it's coming. They're like, move to New Zealand. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to the Lord of the Rings things. Yeah, I can't do Every New Zealand. Zealand. So it's all, it's all you do in New Zealand. Well, yeah, now we go you can to New tour, Zealand. Uh, what we do in the shadows and werewolves locations and whatnot. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty much what you would expect. My application. Todd, since Mr. Maya's not here, how would you classify this book? You know, it's um, it's uh, Americana horror, wholesome goodness, ickiness. Wholesome goodness, ickiness. I like yeah. wholesome goodness, ickiness. That's what it is. You know, I'm going to actually like out myself as a bad film critic. I've never seen an American werewolf from London. To be honest with you, I found it kind of slow. Does it, has anybody else seen it? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, by modern uh, standards, I think you could definitely say that. It's a little slower, yeah. but I think movies got a lot quicker going through the 80s and 90s and now it's just like boom 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 and if you're not getting yeah. something every 15 minutes it's just like uh what is this come on yeah it definitely plays up the atmospheric element of it but it's fun i think it's still worth watching i have a photo of the original sign from the um the pub in england that they go to for an american werewolf in oh, London. that's cool it's actually on display in the experience music project in the basement they have a pop culture museum and for quite a long time, for like several years, I'm assuming it's still there, they had a horror display. And so it had stuff like the fake saws from the movie Saw, and it had Mr. Pointy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it had that sign, and it had uh, some Michael Jackson's costumes from Thriller, and it had, it had some oh, cool. cool stuff in it. So Last I have a bunch of photos of it. On the top floor, they were doing the, the costumes of Star Wars. So they had both the prequels and the original trilogy stuff all on the top floor of the EMP. Last time I was there, it was all ACDC stuff mm. on the top floor. And then, yeah, it's a really fun museum, though. If you're ever in Seattle, it's definitely worth going and checking out. It's really fun. I mean, it's it's definitely a big touristy thing, but it's also right next to the Space Needle. Yeah. Um, so you might as well go there anyway, and then you can do the duck boats if you don't, you know, fear for your life too much. But, and for uh, Frank Gary fans, you can go see that's that. That's true. And they also have, for if you're an Elvis Presley fan, that's also in the same complex where the World's Fair was, where the film that happened at the World's Fair was filmed. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's that's the that's also they, they take the monorail around town um, that was built for that stuff like that. So like that's if you're an Elvis fan, that's a weird little useless thing for you. Um, they have a pretty couple pretty decent museums that they uh, turned some of those buildings into, and it's a fun it's a fun area to hang out at. But um, I'll also say, if you get a bit inebriated and you go on the underground tour of Seattle, I highly recommend it. The underground? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have, yeah, because basically what had happened is, is that most of the city burned to the ground at one point in time, and they rebuilt the entire city about one story up. Huh. And so there's a bunch of buildings downtown where you can actually go down and see the old remnants of it, and they do a tour of it. It's really fun, actually, but it starts in a bar, and uh, they take you through, and they tell you about the seedier side of Seattle. But uh, it's worth checking out. It's definitely that was a lot of fun. I did that when we were out there on our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, a couple pretty decent speakeasies. One's called Needle and Thread, which is a reference to something you will learn about on that underground tour. Todd probably can understand what I'm talking about it's if he remembers that tour. Huh? What? It references whores. It's it about does. me. Yes, it does. No dumpsters are implied. Oh, uh, I'm a slide because whores get paid. So <laughs> that's true. There you go. There's there's your pitch for Seattle. Yeah, pretty <laughs> awesome place. Go do Seattle. Seattle's also, good town. Is there legal weed there. I don't know. There's legal weed in California. There's legal weed oh, in no. like half in the country now. <laughs> Just pick a spot. As, yeah. as it should be. Still a schedule one. 
Shockingly enough, my mother is pro medical marijuana. As you should be. No mom. Yeah. My sweet sure. Mormon mother is pro medical marijuana. That blew my freaking mind. Well, seeing what I learned about, because like you know, in Utah we've got Prop Two, which is legalizing medical marijuana on the ballot this November. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was talking with a friend of ours, and she was telling me that it's not approved for things like anxiety and stuff. It's only for physical medical conditions. I'm like, you know, I'm on pretty strong drugs for my thing, and if I could just smoke weed and be done with it, I would much rather do that than take drugs that are changing my brain. Yeah, no, I, I get that entirely. But I can't do it because it's not for anxiety and depression, so. Well, but I'm pretty... Uh-huh. It's a start. I think, yeah. I, I, I mean, considering that one of the best uses of medical marijuana has been to treat uh, soldiers suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, I think that, like, you... You start with let's let's treat a chronic pain and fibromyalgia and and that stuff. Yeah. And then let, let's move into, you know, oh well, it's the the camel's nose in the tent. That's what I mean. That's what everyone's going to say. Like why we can't have legal weed, but yet at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's what we want. Because like, come on. <laughs> Just why? Why not? Well, I mean, the yeah. whole thing is like we, we we've got you know legalized alcohol, which is pretty much like the you know one of the, the the most abused worst substances in the world. And I say that as someone who also drinks, and obviously this is a drinking podcast. Right. <laughs> but it's like you know it's you know I I read a, a thing the other day, and again take it with a grain of salt, but they were saying like five percent of the deaths in the world are due to alcohol, due to like its effects. You know, not so much like you know drunk driving or you know people doing stupid stuff while drunk. It's just like you know it's not good for you, and whereas you know, I, I don't smoke weed, but at the same time, it's got very low side effects. And I mean, if anything, you just get hungry and watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force and laugh your ass the off. The hunger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really wish I could do a meat one impersonation, but I can't. I love that show. <laughs> drinking game. Uh, Mr. Andy, what is your drinking game rule? Mine is Cooper, Betty Cooper. Anytime Betty does something <laughs> badass, take a drink. Nice. I like she it. She really is a badass right. too. She's like the Buffy. Yeah, she is. Well, Mr. Todd, what is yours? Golly gee, Archie's just friends with everybody. Every time Archie, it seems to be switching sides if he's talking with Jughead, if he's there with the Coopers, whoever he's with. Archie is on no one's shit list. A valid point. He's on nobody's shit list. He can go anywhere. He, there's this all this drama and horror and slashing going on, and yet Archie is this omnipotent... We're just going to leave this guy alone. Figure that everyone wants to confide in. It's fantastic. I really want to see him being like a fuckboy like he is in Riverdale, the TV show. So I came up with three of them, actually. So I'll, since no one has taken mine, I will go with my three and then I'll get to you, Adam. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so my first one is Hungry Like the Jughead for those Depeche Mode fans out there. Durant the Durant 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 yeah. fans yeah. out there. Hungry Like the Wolf. Yeah. Every time food is shown or mentioned, take a drink. Oh, um, that's just mean. <laughs> this this next one's pretty mean as well. Home sweet home. Every time someone mentions Riverdale, take a drink. Mm-hmm. Howl at the moon, take a drink whenever someone transforms into a wolf. And then, Mr. Adam, what is yours? Actually, the Howl at the moon was my first drinking game. I was like, no, nah, that's too obvious. Uh, my- See, and I, I, I took those three because I thought they're just obvious enough that no one's going to pick them. So that's yeah. why I did it. No, I, and I chose the name of Howl at the moon and do like a really bad Ozzy Osbourne impersonation. Uh, yeah. No, mine's called Blood and Guts. So every time you see blood and or guts on a page, take a drink. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Per page. That's a lot. Yeah, old- yeah, that's cruel. Because per panel would just, you know, be, be- the end of it. Yeah. You no, know, for sure. Wish for death. No, yes, that's absolutely. when you do the... Um- 
homeopathic drinks, you know, the vibrations going on, you'd probably be okay that way. You're an expert on that, Todd. I'm not, though I know those <laughs> who are. <laughs> yes, you They do. also think vaccines cause autism, so fuck them. Uh, so. Oh, well, you and I had a fun conversation yesterday about my friend who got extra Christy after I you know, uh-huh. haven't hung out with her all yeah. I don't need antidepressant medication. I just need to pray to Jesus. When I first saw the text message, I was driving, so I just saw the, my friend says I don't need antidepressant medication. I'm like, oh, you know a scientist, a Scientologist? I was shocked. And then I read the <laughs> all Christy stuff, and I was like, oh, okay. The other there side of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's like, why are there hospitals in the Bible Belt? I don't understand. <laughs> you just all need to pray to Jesus. Save me, Jeebus. Save me. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, pray speaking my my sister's youngest child has started telling her that uh, the cops said that he, like if she's if he's standing on the table and my sister says you need to get down he'll say the police said I can and when she finally said no the police are going to listen to me and agree with me he finally started saying well Jesus says I can so now Jesus <laughs> is telling him like, I was just like rock on dude just keep appealing <laughs> to the higher power Exactly. So every higher power power says that he can do whatever he wants to do. So funny story is our you know our friend Brian Young, his uh, mm-hmm. his son Anakin, when he was like ten or eleven years old, uh, his Brian called in for a parent teacher conference because uh, apparently his son at school was spreading the good word of atheism mm-hmm. and <laughs> trying to convert awesome. people to atheism, and so like they were like, well, you know, why is he doing this? And he's like, well, you guys have seminary, why can't he talk about atheism? <laughs> so. That was fun. Very true. He can drive uh, cool. now. I'm, that's weird. Wow. Don't even get me started on how strange some of that is. Todd's having a kid. I mean, that's weird to me. Sort it's of. weird to me, too. <laughs> She's finally far enough along. You can see, like, the occasional, like, when the little parasite in there is turning over and the butt's pushing against the stomach, and now she has, like, a so lopsided she- stomach going on. So she's mooning you, is that what you're saying? Uh, you know, as one does. She, she is your kid, then. What do you mean? I don't moon that many people. <laughs> I'm so glad uh, I can't that many- <laughs> Final warnings. This really is violent and rated for mature content. So if you think, oh, look, it's an Archie book, let's give it to my eight-year-old kid, don't. I would say 14, 15. Yeah, yeah 14, 15. Teenager, yeah. yes, but preteen, yeah. no. It really a is lot, a line on that. Lots of so guts in it here. Is, Yes, there yeah. really is. So, Although I, I don't think it was disturbing as Sabrina we did last year. No, yeah, so, uh, like Adventures of Sabrina. That one was freaky. This one is like classic slasher horror. Yeah, Sab- Sabrina's creepy. And we will get into it later. But there's a scene of Jughead eating that I thought was actually more disturbing than some of the guts in there. Agreed. There was some that big <laughs> splash page of him with all that food. I was just like, oh, like that was just like it was. Like, I double taked on that one. Like that was that was a. Uh, was a disgusting looking sandwich just absolutely just just ew. it it looked like something that he uh heathcliff would eat out of the heathcliff cartoons like it was just oh yeah i think about mm-hmm. that it just oh it was just it was just gross i forgot uh, about heathcliff i know right you forget about heathcliff you always remember garfield but you forget about heathcliff it's weird how that works yeah oh well uh ps and by the way i have downloaded on my phone teenage mutant Ninja turtles um stickers it's like my new favorite thing to send to people. I would send it to the group text, but I don't know if Todd gets them or not, and I don't, you know. I don't know. Would you get those, Todd? I don't know. Try we'll it. try real fast. Yeah, we'll try it. This we'll is because I have an Android phone, and I'm not in the cult of Apple. Yeah, I'm sending you a Donatello with a beating heart. We'll see if you get to see this or not. get emojis. I did get emojis, but they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle emojis. How can you hate on that? I don't. Oh, I totally get it with the heart on the chest and the whole bit. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I get it. 
Oh, nice. Okay, well, now I can start sending those to everybody. Okay. My favorite is it has the little uh, bandana, so if someone sends me a photo, I can add the little, like, bandanas over the eyes to the photo and send it back to them. It makes me super happy. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a stupid, dorky thing, but it, you know, it, it, it amuses me. Uh, cool. Well, so now that we've proven that emojis can go between um, the, uh, the iPhone and the uh, Android phone. Congratulations, we've, we've solved that mystery for you right here. We're going to take a little break, and uh, when we get back, we're going to spoil the living crowd. Oh, wait, we so still have to do yay or nay. Oh, I'm sorry, we totally yeah. skipped yay or nay. No, it's fine. Okay, I apologize. Well, then, before we get to that, let us do our votes as to whether or not we believe it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to go and read this book. Um, I apologize, I did final warnings and didn't do the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the votes. Hey, we, okay, we got ourselves, Mr. we're good. I'll whip you I later. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Validity votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your vote? Yay, perennial. All these Halloween horror-based Archie books have been great. Yay. Yeah. Agreed. Mr. Adam. Uh, definitely yay. And Mr. Andy. Definitely yay. And I'm a definitely yay as well. Uh, sounds like we definitely have something that you should probably read. Uh, and it's super fun. Um, cool. Well, so then... We've given out everything else. Am I good to go to intermission now? Yes. Okay. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to spoil it. You have been warned. Uh, But this is one that we all liked, and we feel like you should go read it. So uh, we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Hi, everybody. This is Matt. And I'm Trevor. We're the co-hosts of the Nighthawks podcast, a movie podcast for people who like to stay up late. We've just joined the Hello, Sweetie podcast network, expanding our podcast empire and bringing the world to its knees. Take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. We're going to talk to you about movies. We've got new movies, old movies, movies we love, movies nobody loves. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. That was pretty good. Do you think they'll listen? Uh, The good ones always do. Llamas with hats, because mm-hmm. that's a thing. Carl, that kills people. Plot summary. Um, it's it's pr- it's pretty it's pretty basic. It's you know, uh, Jughead's eating at the diner, and you find out that there's something called the Riverdale Ripper that's killing people. And Jughead leaves. He's being you know kind of followed by someone who's being an asshole to him, and he's like he's feeling weird. He turns into a werewolf and kills the person, and then wakes up the next day and finds like an arm in his room. And he realizes that he, as a werewolf, has been going out and killing people as the Riverdale Ripper. Uh, we So he leaves town, joins the circus. We find out that Betty is, uh, again, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but with werewolves. And she's going after him, and she tries to get Archie to go with him. Uh, at the circus, he once again becomes a werewolf, kills Hold someone. Oh, skipped a step. He skipped a step. Was it the wolf so Oh, they, the wolf part, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he skipped the wolf bane. So uh, Betty and Archie take Jughead to um, a botanical garden they get wolfsbane which seems to cure jughead for a certain period of time but then he wakes up with another body in his you know bedroom or whatever and then he runs away and joins the circus okay yeah. continue. and then he uh after a while you know so betty and archie are chasing after him uh and then also the circus people are because he killed one of their 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 pretty much family and then this is it's his cousin right who ends up yeah, he, yeah so he meets up with this cousin who he thought he killed and he's like no i fake my death and you find out that he's a werewolf and that werewolves run in the jughead family uh so they and his cousin shows him like hey i can get shot and like you know bullets pop out of me unless they're silver uh so the circus people catch up they start fighting them they fight back 
So Archie ends up having to try to shoot Jughead, his best friend, with silver bullets. And then you learn that uh, Jughead's cousin has turned um, several other people, yes. including um, let's see, Reggie. I think it's it's Reggie, Veronica, um, and uh, oh, what's Moose, what's, and... Moose and Cheryl. Yeah. Right. Um, so they have all they're all also werewolves as well and they turn into werewolves and that is the end of the first book is uh, is where that goes yes that sound like a fair assessment yes analysis well mr andy sure our guest mm-hmm. uh, let's, let's jump in with your thoughts on this uh, i mean i like it it's a pretty classic werewolf story mm-hmm. um but it just douses it with all of the uh the strangeness and funniness of of a modern Riverdale comic. I think doing that juxtaposition always works because we're like, hey, the Archie gang, that's a bunch of, you know, clean, fun-loving kids, and we throw them in the middle of uh, incredible violence and gore, and, it, like, it just somehow works. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and especially the, the whole juxtaposition of... Uh, Jughead and his insatiable appetite, but then moving that to, oh yeah, he's a werewolf and no, he's now he's going to just eat people instead. Well, and then tying into that, I think uh, with Todd's thought process of it being very much Americana and Archie being Americana, they have like sort of a, a standard set of like trope players that we're all fairly familiar with even if you're like even if you're a passive fan of archie or just somewhat aware you kind of know at least betty and veronica and archie and jughead like you at least know those four Mm -hmm. um and i think it's interesting that like that enables them or i was gonna get your opinion if you think that that enables them to have a shorthand so they don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time on character development because you know who these people are and we can all of a sudden throw them into a bizarre different situation that juxtaposition you know it allows it to remain you know that this is a fantasy you know that they're not going to really do this with, you know, Jughead and Archie and whatever, but still you get to see something that's really kind of cool and kind of different. And so it's, I mean, I guess it would be uh, similar to like taking like the Big Bang Theory and in the last season suddenly throw them into a horror film. Like you already know who these characters are and now you're going to have to try to see how they deal in a completely foreign situation. I think there's something kind of fun about that. I'd like to see that because I would like all of those characters to die, please. <laughs> yeah, Big Bang Theory is basically geek blackface. I don't, oh. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that it's overstayed its welcome. Well, it's tough of here, so I know it is. But like, I watched it for a while. I don't agree with the whole geek blackface thing. I think it's a different sort of thing. But uh, I feel like it's um, when they added in a kid. They jumped the shark, and I'm, you know, like I don't know exactly where it was, but it was somewhere around that point in time. There was a season that I was like, okay, I'm done watching. Uh, so I haven't watched it for the last couple of years. I used to go home and watch, my mom would DVR, and I'd watch all of them, and I'm kind of over it. But um, um, but going back to what you said, you know, about Archie and stuff is like, you know, no matter who you are, you know who Archie is. I mean, if anything, yeah, yeah. just because you were in line at the supermarket and one of the Archie digests were in the checkout line. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think there's much out there anymore that really embodies the kind of like 1950s ideal look at American and family life. I mean, obviously, yes, they added Kevin Keller, who is a queer character, but for, I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, Archie's been the same ever since it first came out. So, you know, like you were saying, this is really fun because it takes everything you know and it turns it on its head and kind of makes it, yeah, you've got this like kind of gross horror story, but at the same time, it's not over the top. It's, you know, it's kind of like 80s horror where like, you know, it's all fake and you can see the, you know, the fake blood and everything else but it's still creepy enough to 
you know, make you uncomfortable with everything that you know and love about these characters. So, yeah, I was actually going to compare it uh, immediately to the thriller video, uh, mm, you know, speaking yeah. of Actually, 80s yeah. horror, because it, it plays up on those same sort of Americana tropes and also the the werewolf transformation being a part of that, of them watching that that movie. And uh, it's it's basically the same sort of idea just played out in a comic book instead of you know, a 10 minute music video. I'm just a little girl. (laughs) Um, Well, the other thing I think about this as well is that it has sort of that fun horror aspect that I think like some horror movies take themselves really seriously to try to go really, they go overly gory or they go whatever. There's something really fun about this that really talks about that. It's sort of like that 80s horror that was actually kind of a fun movie as well as it being a scary movie. And I think there's something really like that 80s idea of be this this would sit on a shelf with like you know the first friday the 13th or uh nightmare on elm streets like it sort of has a fun sort of sense of humor and campiness to it while still having some interesting decent scares for comic books sure I, I think the perfect example is that is every time you see jughead as the werewolf and the crown is still just right there yeah yeah that's crown so you've got this big scary fangy werewolf going on but it's still Jughead's crowd, and there's just something that brings a smile to my face when I see that. So it's like, oh, be creeped out. I'm like, but it's Jughead. And I think, yeah, that's a great example of that. And he even brings it up, too. He's like, he's like, oh, maybe there's someone else wearing a beanie around town. You know? and like, yeah, well, I was going to mention the, the people wearing a beanie thing, because, I mean, that's the crown thing being a beanie is more of a Riverdale TV show sort of reference than anything else. And I was wondering, I, I, I assumed it was a nod to that. Otherwise it looks sort of, I mean, I, I don't know what that hat would be otherwise, but it's always there. So yeah, he can lose all, all his clothes and everything else, but are just the bare trappings of it. But his hat, his head goes through extreme transformations and yet the hat remains. I still want to know also why all the tigers are afraid of him, what he did. I not really tell you. The lions, yeah, like they're terrified of him, and he's not even sure what happened, and they're not like, and you never really find out what he did. I think they just terrified the lions as the apex predator. Sure, he climbs into the cage uh, as the wolf falls asleep, and he wakes up it, but the lions still remember him as the wolf, and they're like, "Uh, shit, leave that guy alone." Well, they could probably also smell it on him too. You know, I think you get a sense of that as well. So yeah, so and it does a little example. The the lions are terrified of him, and it's just it's a nice little cue that just goes, um, this guy means business, whether he knows it or not. So I mean, and how awesome is it? Jughead runs away and joins the circus. I mean, well, that's talk about complete Americana. That's right. And even they make some sort of reference of like, really, how many kids run away and join the circus at this age? Like, like no one does this anymore. Yeah, it's like, what's your name? Smith. (laughs) Smith. Right. Sure. Right. Wrong. That sounds made up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going right through here, and then everyone's trying to hunt him down. He's got this other cousin. He's like, oh, it's a family of werewolves. You have Betty Cooper, and they're like, we are werewolf hunters. We're just waiting for him to do something bad, which I find really yeah. interesting. It's not that the fact that they're a werewolf, they deserve to die. It is still based yes. upon their actions of what they do. There is a innocent until proven guilty aspect of that that I actually quite like. I do. There's a lot of respect built in for that. It's not you're guilty because of who you are. It's like, no, it's not who you are. It's what you do, and what you're doing needs to be stopped. Like Kavanaugh. And Betty Cooper being Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, 
Buffy the Werewolf Slayer is actually pretty bitchin', I have to say. She's pretty awesome in this. It's great. And even with Veronica going, they're off, not me. I mean, she's still just being selfish, Veronica. I think it's great. Yeah. No, it's, you, you still keep the characteristics, but like the fact that the Coopers have been werewolf hunters for generations, there's just, there's literally this awesome, weird undertone to this entire family. Like, you get this idea that like Betty Cooper has been, you know, secretly in love with Archie or been in love with Archie this whole time, but she's been keeping this deep, dark secret that she's actually Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, it's kind of amazing yeah. if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's going like, through. And it's like, oh, you, you became friends with me just to watch. And it's like, well, it started out that way, but I really like you guys. And that was. I would totally read a Betty the Vampire Slayer comic. Like, that would be well, kind of awesome. Vampironica. I, I know, right? Yeah, Vampironica is out. Which I haven't read that, Which but I'm we'll, interested in. That's maybe what next year. <laughs> I, I, we're, I, we're assuming we're going to do that next year, since we seem to have a tradition of doing an Archie horror book every year. I, I just am assuming we're going to do Vampronica next year. So join us again next Halloween, kids, for Vampronica, because I'm. I'll just I'll actually I'll put it on the list now. We'll just, I'll just put it in October. Now we'll pencil it in. We'll already know that's going to happen. It'll be because the, the odds of book we've ever had Adventures of or Afterlife Volume Two coming out is low by that time. Afterlife Volume 2 comes out in February. Oh, really? So they say. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> well, it's like Kingdom Hearts 3. I will believe it when I have it in my hands and I'm actually reading it. <laughs> That's right. Or Half-Life 3. Does it even exist? No. Yeah. That's true. Uh, well, cool. Uh, does anybody else have anything that they want to jump in and discuss? Do you, let's, let's talk about that terrible burger that you brought okay. up earlier. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, it's one of the first times you see Jughead, and everyone is horrified, <laughs> which is completely understandable. And it's a great splash page. It's probably only about four pages in, right? And, like, everyone's just horrified, and then you see it, and it's like, okay, so it's got three pieces of bread. There's a lobster claw in there. There looks like a full fish. fish. Um, a there's pizza. pizza. There's spaghetti noodles. There's some noodles. Yep. Looks like a bagel with cream cheese. Some meatballs. That's about all I can see. The sandwich just looks disgusting. Like just and there's red sauce everywhere. Yeah. Oh man. Probably marinara, right? Well, and then all the blood, like all the ketchup and whatever around his face. Like it just is. It might be one of the most gruesome things in this entire book, actually. Y'all nasty as hell. Oh man, it's oh, it's terrible, but it's great. They've shaded it so that it's kind of like that effect where he's all in blue and gray, and then you've got the contrast of the red on it, and it's it's just so perfect. Yeah, the color on this book is really impressive, actually. I think. After uh, Todd and I talked to uh, Matt Wilson a little bit, the colorist for um, oh, Wicked and the Divine and Hi, Paper, Girls. Paper Girls, he did Wonder Woman with Azarello. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. I, I've noticed the, the broad variety in his work, and I've sort of had a greater appreciation for colorists. I think that I've underwritten their contribution, and this is definitely a book where, let's see, who is the colorist on this? Because I think their name deserves to be mentioned, because it's pretty cool. Colors is Michael Wash, uh, D. Cunniff, and Matt Herms. Um, but the, the coloring, I really, I think, definitely helps sell this book. And it's, considering the fact that there's three different ones, it's a relatively consistent job. But yeah, it's super fun. Oh, it's really great. Um, a little side thing, if you ever want to see the influence of what coloring can do, is recently there's been a release of The Killing Joke, an absolute edition, coming out of DC. What they went ahead and did is when killing joke originally came out the artist was too busy to color it he had other commitments so they hired the colorist who did it 
And then back in the 90s, later, he came back through and recolored it to what he initially wanted it to be. And the Absolute Edition includes both copies. So of uh, what was originally done to do that. And you can go back for it and compare of what the different coloring is. And it's amazing how much of a striking difference in tone that the colors really do bring out. Hmm. So, And they even went so far as they changed papers. So um, they're matching the edition of what the books originally came out and they match the paper stock quality for each of them and it's a different paper stock. So it was pretty awesome. That is, I got to imagine the printer was like, you want me to do what? And they're like, just do it. Actually, I do need to check that out because I don't have, I think I only have Killing Joke on digital, so. Yeah, I've got a copy of that. But no, the colors and the artwork in general here, it's fantastic. It feels so archy. Mm-hmm. Still at the same time, you've got these heavy, super saturated hues and tones going on. And you've got this flex of red ketchup or blood and this gore and it's creepy. And you've got this dark Halloween coloring going on. And yeah, every bit of it still oozes Archie. It is they have taken these characters, put it in this Elseworlds type situation, and yet they haven't strayed away from it either. And it's really been like masterfully done. I absolutely love the artwork and what's been done here. It's really great. Well, and it's also, um, it, I think the other thing too is that it, it, this art style and the the, the coloring, I think, is far more akin to um, Afterlife with Archie, but this mm-hmm. one's far more like blue, like has a, sort of like a blue-purple tint to it. Um, sort of like that moonlight kind of idea and then Afterlife with Archie seemed to be a little bit more drastically red. Um, but uh, there's definitely some similarities to it there. I mean, there. There's a sort of a through-line stylistically between mm-hmm. those two books, which I think is actually pretty pretty cool as well. Oh, okay, um, the, um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is quite a bit different. and It's sort of its own animal, it's yeah. It's its own animal and creepy. I mean, when you have skulls for eyeballs, that is just yeah. awesome and ugh. Well, and also in the back of our edition, I don't think Adam has this, but if you have the physical copy in the back of it, the artist from Afterlife with Archie, uh, Robert Hack, who I met last year about mm-hmm. this time, um, he has like at least two or three covers, and one of them is a great skull jug head. Um, with some fur around the jaws, which is actually pretty cool as well. Well, so. and for me, it, was, it almost had kind of a film noir kind of sense to it. It was, you know, the way they played with yeah. shadow and light. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's, a, you know, a, a huge fan of that kind of that kind of uh, genre, you know, it just added to the fun of, you know, again, like the, the classic werewolf tale, and also uh, just kind of, I don't know. It was I, the arts, you know, really good. And as I've said before, I'm kind of more of a you know, a dialogue and plot kind of guy, but the art definitely stood out for me. Like, you know, right now Todd's on a page where it's all red and he's attacking someone and it's just red and black where, you know, the guy's in the forest and he's got glasses on so you can see the reflection of his eyes and the glasses, but everything else mm-hmm. is just red and black and it's really fun when artists and a colorer takes a different approach to showing a page and showing action or showing violence even. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. completely different from the rest of the book. Yeah, And right next to that, probably my favorite little moment is the previous page is Dylan, you know, people's friend, and they've got this red line going through, and it's much like a heartbeat pattern, mm-hmm. but it says thump, mm-hmm. thump, and yeah. then each line descending after that has more and more thump, 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 thump. So the ability for it to just visually building tension right there, I thought, and yeah, break it up and keep it going was fantastically done. The um, people that laid out and blocked this out 
kept things interesting, changed it up, but had a very good through line. It was really well done. For sure. Like, there, there's some really clever layout choices here. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some great splash pages at the end of things. I think each issue builds up to a decent amount of a sort of um, a climax, you know, leading you into the next one. I mean, the, the, it's plotted out very well. Like, there's just a lot of really great things to say about this book. I would probably say my biggest complaint with the Archie comics is releasing them. Mm-hmm. Yes, they don't have no, a standard. I, I think that's fair. They, they have great, I mean, the end product is very good, but it's it's not on a regular schedule, that's for sure. No, it's true. Especially, well, are the regular Archie books on more of a regular schedule? They're a bit better, but a lot of it is still, okay. they have no fear about letting something be late if it needs to be. Okay, that's about, because like, you have like more of those trades than I do. You have like at least five, don't you? Yeah, the first five trades of the main Archie line. Um, Mark Waite's been the writer the whole time on it, too. So the artists have changed a bit, but Mark Waite's been the through yeah. line on it. And I have the first three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm about two behind you, and I don't know how many have been published since then. But those have also been very fun. What they've done with the Archie line has been pretty cool. Well, what's cool with this, so. too, is that you know we only did zero through three, but there are six more issues out there, so there's... You, you can see I'm assuming it's going to be like the next trade or something like that. Yeah, but it's, you know, again, like Maya uh, actually had the one to three individual comics, and then zero was free on unlimited on Comicsology. So oh, nice. So that was kind of nice. But yeah, it was it was cool to see that there are more. To, there is more to the story, and if you want to go follow along and see what happens next, you know, unfortunately, you know, we might have to wait a long time for issue ten, but you know, there's at least six more to get you going. So right. Looks like Jughead the Hunger is supposed to be coming out on February 12th, 2019. I think next we lost Andy. Are you still there, Andy? Yeah, I'm still here. I haven't been talking. Oh, what are you just, talking about? Yeah, No, we're just talking too much for Andy to get a word in edgewise. No, no, I was. I, I, I fell into a trap of sitting here and listening. And rather than... <laughs> so basically what, what, uh, what most men don't do. Okay, cool. Well, well, I'm just so used to listening to the podcast, and it's just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what it makes Andy a great husband is his ability just to sit there and listen. Well, well, Andy, do you have any thoughts you want to add to this? Yeah, I mean, Todd, you really just nailed it when you said earlier that this is Americana plus horror. And... Uh, that that's what makes all of this work so well mm-hmm. and uh adam your your statement about bringing in those noir elements i mean it that's that's what makes this book work even though it shouldn't uh it's you know it's take archie make it a horror book and it's it's just fun uh because it doesn't stray too far from any of those uh formulas so I really like it. And I will also have to say they do make comments about Americana and the forward of Jughead to Hunger. So that's not an original idea. Yeah. Don't let people think that's the case. No, but it it is a very astute observation for you to steal. Yes. I'll I'll definitely take ownership of that. It's it's fantastic and it's great. And it's, um, and the thing of it is you take a look like the horror, um, I mean, it's not truly an American thing, but they called Edgar Allan Poe the godfather of the horror genre i mean there was stuff preceding it like frankenstein and dracula but really this mm-hmm. whole concept of the slasher flick and this just everything being done and being scared for the entertainment of it and it's i mean it really is quite Amer- an american thing that we have exported elsewhere and it's 
it's part of our cultural zeitgeist and it's all just kind of being mixed mm-hmm. together and it complements each other so well i mean it's kind of like jughead sandwich you think it doesn't work but there's a part of me going you know it just might that salty and sweet and all mm-hmm. that other stuff <laughs> it just might it may not be wrong until you try it you know what i mean it's the full fish thing is what would just yeah. but, no, 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 trip no, no, no. me but out. i don't think you have any idea how many sandwiches and dishes use anchovy paste it's amazing stuff so just because there's the presence of the fish making it's not good i'm like i'm not sold it's not good well i think that fish still had eyes and it's probably still yeah. got bones in it yeah and that's, that's what all I true about. i just kind of go for it why not yeah <laughs> just go for it well and what's fun with this too is like you know uh with cinema queens it, when we're doing this we're also doing you know Halloween, gay Christmas, you know, yeah. horror, horror movies. And so we did The Babadook mm-hmm. this week because, you know... It, I love that oh, movie. Me too. That movie's so awesome. Like, you know, but, you know, we did it for being a queer movie because the urban legend says that Netflix accidentally put it as an LGBT movie when it came out and blah, blah, this and that. If you were a sure. pride the last two years, you see Babadooks everywhere. Uh, but talking with Chris, I was like, well, the, the thing you have to keep in mind is that horror movies have always been deeper than just, you know, killing the big titty woman you know, or, you know, a moral story about not, you know, keeping virginity, this and that. Because the Babadooks really is about, you know, dealing with grief, or you can also go with mental illness. Uh, if you look at, like, the original Dawn of the Dead, it's an indictment of capitalism, or consumerism, excuse me. Uh, yeah. And so that's that's kind of the thing. And so I, I was kind of thinking about this one, is like, you know, what... I mean, do we think, you know, what do we think is the deeper meaning behind the werewolves and everything with Jughead, or is it, honestly, this just kind of a fun tale that isn't really telling a deeper story? I, I've got a hot take on that one. Go. Uh, oh, good. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So, I mean, the the old the idea that these are old families, and some of them are werewolves, and some of them are werewolf hunters, and they've been doing this for generations. And uh, you see Betty's aunt, and she's obviously very rich and very privileged, and there's a whole culture around that. Uh, then you have uh, Jughead's cousin telling him, like, no, we're werewolves, we're hunters, they're just food, they're our prey, that's our job to go and kill them. And to me, this then all becomes about privilege and about, uh, you know, old families and connections and what that gets you Mm -hmm. and that people think that that gives them the right to uh do whatever they want uh or to treat others badly the way that uh the way that betty's uh aunt does when when her steak isn't cooked the way that she wants it to extra bloody so extra bloody Uh, you know with ketchup we know that no 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 i like (laughs) i even ordered a steak once blue rare there was bravery with that. Oh, mm, interesting. I, I like. I actually really like. Every once in a while, I like a really good rare steak. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm I'm down for that. But you're it, my man. But if if you're if you're coming to this with that idea, I think that's what the true horror is because it then becomes this internal struggle for Jughead. He says, I've got this monster inside of me. I'm afraid of it. I don't want to let it out. And then he has someone tapping him on the shoulder saying, no, you're better than everyone else. Just use your power and give in to that, uh, those urges. 
Uh, I think that's a very basic moral story that's woven through a, a lot of our literature. And uh, that's that's why this works. I, I think adding on to that, I think part of what also makes this really successful is, I, I think you're 100% right, but I think also this idea of uncontrolled urges become turn you into a monster really speaks to the juvenile teenage boy. Um, and I think that's also something that's played with fairly well in Teen Wolf, um, uh, you know, from an, another 80s uh, sort of horror comedy that I think... Uh, I think that, that that sort of idea really speaks to the the teenage boy of like I just can't control what's going inside of going on inside of me and you know every, these things take over and I have no control over it and I become this monster. I think is something that's also very interesting there. And also on what Andy was saying, there is he's got this cousin of his of going. They're just food. Don't worry about it. And yet he sees this cousin and he could come with his own takeaways of his cousin is able to transform on demand mm-hmm. as he so wills it. So is he going to take the um, outwardly spoken lesson trying to be imparted or is he just going to glean the information? It's like, you know, I've got this hunger. How do I do with it? And there are elements that you can take from it. It's like, you know, I'm going to reject this part of what he's saying, but there's other parts of what you can do and learn to control and live with it and kind of coexist. They could very much be doing so. Well, and I, I just love that Andy pulled out a class war moral t- moral story out of a Archie comic, but I think he's right. <laughs> that I see no, that everywhere absolutely. though, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's definitely the evidence in this, and I felt very similar. You just, you equated it in a better way than I think I would have said it, but does anybody else have anything they want to add to that? Um, not really. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to yeah. actually go read more, so. Yeah. So it's interesting, these first few issues, it's, um, it's a decent stop-off point, but by no means does it feel like the conclusion of the story. Correct. No, it doesn't. So, but unlike you know, some stuff we read recently, like I mm-hmm. felt there at least was, you know, a sense of catharsis as far as we you know. We yes, we want to know what happens next. There's some dangling threads. Yes. But it, it didn't just cut off to where like, well, what the fuck's going on? Like that's you, true. You, you wrapped it up. You got you know your your hook for the next part. But it, you know, if it ended right there, I mean, I'd want to know what happens. But also, I would have felt fulfilled. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Cocktails. I'll go first with mine just because I have it at the top of my list right now. Uh, mine is the Dark Moon cocktail. It serves up to eight people um, or one jughead at a, uh, at a restaurant, apparently. Uh, so this is one and a half cups of cold brew coffee, uh, one and a half cups of French vanilla coffee liqueur, um, a half cup of spiced rum, one 12 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola with real sugar, and a half ounce of heavy heavy cream. What you're going to do is up to four hours ahead of serving, combine the cold coffee, the coffee liqueur, uh, and the rum in a large pitcher and store, stir. Uh, you're going to chill and, until ready to serve. Um, when you're ready to serve it, you add the cola, and then you fill the cups with ice and pour over the top of it, and then you add heavy cream evenly over the top of each glass. Um, and that is your dark moon coffee with a lot of caffeine in there as well, so you will definitely be up all night. Sounds like it. But... Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your cocktail? You know, with everything going on here, I'm going with the classic Bloody Mary because it's uh, nice and vodka-soaked, but uh-huh. it's red all over and spicy and delicious. So the Bloody Mary cocktail, It's uh, these um, are the ingredients in it. It's got a lemon wedge, a lime wedge. It's got two ounces of vodka. You can try it with Absolute, but, you know, you can have as much in there as you want, right? Mm-hmm. Four ounces of tomato juice, two dashes of Tabasco, two teaspoons of horseradish, two dashes of Worcester sauce. That's right, kids. Worcester sauce. 
celery salt, a pinch of that, and some black pepper, and a bit of smoked paprika. Now the garnishes for this is a celery stalk, a lime wedge, green olives, and a parsley sprig. So this is much like Jughead Sandwich. Yes, it's so, alright, so how you make this thing is you pour some celery salt onto a small plate, you rub the juicy side of the lemon or the lime wedge along the, the lip of the pint glass after you have put that on the salt. Fill with ice, um, roll the outer edge in the celery salt until fully coated, fill with ice and set aside. So you squeeze the lemon and lime wedges into a shaker, drop them in, add the remaining ingredients and ice and shake gently. Do not shake the shit out of it. Gently shake it. And um, strain into the prepared glass and then garnish with your parsley and green olives, lime wedge, and your celery stock. And enjoy. Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail? So mine is called the Bloody Bite. Uh, It requires three tablespoons of light corn syrup, two to four drops of red food coloring, three quarters cup of lime sherbet, one and a half cups of pink grapefruit juice, one and a half cups of club soda and one cup of vodka. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a, a shallow plate. You're going to mix the corn syrup with the red food coloring. In a blender, you're going to add the sherbet, the pink grapefruit juice, the club soda, and the vodka. Uh, blend it for about uh, 10 seconds till it's nice and frothy. You're going to take your glass. You're going to dip it in the corn syrup red mixture and then turn the glass up so that the you know red kind of drips down the outside like blood. And then you fill the glass with the, uh, the blended mixture. Nice. That sounds good. It is. Refreshing. And Mr. Andy, do you have a cocktail for us, or do we throw you in at the last minute? Too much? I do. Oh, awesome. No, I, I I was able to find something. Okay. Uh, this is the uh, this is a Halloween punch, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it is a, a bloody punch, so I, that's probably the better okay. uh, name for it. Uh, take two liters of your favorite cola and uh, a... And then uh, put that in a large punch bowl. Then get a surgical glove. Make sure it is uh, the kind that's uh, that doesn't have any nasty chemicals on the inside. Cornstarch only. And then fill that uh, with cherry juice concentrate or any other dark red juice concentrate. Throw that glove into the freezer. Uh, freeze it, and then when you're done, you've got a nice bloody hand that you can drop right in the middle of that punch bowl. And nice. uh, so that that is Dilton's hand uh, hanging out <laughs> in Jughead's punch bowl. I might so, change the name of that, that to be Dilton's hand punch. Okay, do that. That's great. I like that. Final grades. So we uh, started doing this last week. Um, we will do a grade for um, how self-contained we feel that this book is. Uh, we've sort of already discussed it just a little bit, but uh, what's your grade on self-containment, uh, Mr. Todd? You know, I can go ahead and give that a 7 out of 10. It's got a decent pause going on through here, but it's definitely not the complete story, but it's a good arc going on, so I give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, Okay. There you go. Not helping with the letter grades, but that's okay. Uh, Mr. A- Mr. Andy, what is your grade on self-containment? Yeah, the same. Well, I think a 7 out of 10 is a C. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> depends Depends how you uh, think about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I'd give it a C for self-contained. Mm-hmm. There's a lot here. It's obviously going forward. Um, but at least as... If you take Archie as the point of view character that we are supposed to really follow, uh, then there's definitely an arc that begins and ends. Or if you, on the other hand, take Jughead as it, 
uh, as that point of view character, then you also have a self-contained character arc. Uh, there's a lot more going on, and it obviously is setting up a lot more, but uh, it's self-contained enough. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a B for very similar reasons. I feel like it's about as self-contained as you can get for having a series that continues on. I felt like it was a satisfying end, um, but then still continued on. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mr. Adam. I'm actually going to go with an A because, you know, this this is a, a unique story. You, you know, like we said before, everyone kind of knows who Archie is, even if you're not as familiar with Riverdale or the universe. We all know Archie, Betty, Veronica, you know, the whole, like, love triangle thing going on. Uh, and like you said, Brian, it is satisfying. It ends on a note that makes you want to know what happens next, but the story is set into motion and starts well and is concludes in a good way. So, Cool. Um, and uh, so for writing, uh, Mr. Adam, what is your grade? So I'm going to go with an A-. I, you know, it was well-written. You know, these, these characters, even though they are different and unique, you know, we have got Betty as the, the vamp, you know, the werewolf killer, they're still reading and acting like Archie characters, even if there is supernatural elements involved. Uh, they did a good job of, you know, again, introducing this new mythos and this new world. And it was a lot of fun to read. Well, uh, Mr. Andy. Uh, same grade, A minus, uh, for many of the same reasons. If you know Archie well, it gives you uh, some sly winks and nods. And if you don't, it's still giving you what you need to keep the story going. I'm going to also go with uh, an A- minus on the writing. I felt like it was very, very solid um, and uh, a lot of fun. Mr. Todd. You know, I'm going to be B-plus, A-minus on that. So it's, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a whole lot of fun. It was going through, I think, uh, said well by Andy with there was nods and bits if you knew about it. But if it's not there, it didn't detract by any means. Um, so then for art, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Andy? Uh, I'm also going to go with an A-. minus. We talked a bit about the coloring here and how it helps lend uh, the atmosphere. Um, and Todd brought up the, the Jughead's crown that keeps following <laughs> uh, them around. I think that's that's just a brilliant thing. Uh, one of my other favorite little bits is there's a moment where Jughead is in his bedroom and uh, there is a Sabrina uh, either comic book or magazine right in front of oh, him. Oh, I missed I just, that. Yeah, so there's there's just little little bits like that, and um, it it's not the the best art I've ever seen. Uh, so it's not a complete A, um, but it it's definitely stylized and it's doing its own thing, and and I I thought it was pulled off fairly well. Cool, uh, Mr. Todd. A minus. All very similar reasons. I. Um, love the style they went with you have multiple colorists you have is there just is there also multiple artists going on you had um inks by different people art by three people so you had three colorists two inkers and three artists doing pencils and yet it felt so consistent and um it just kept blended into each other so they either mimic each other quite well or they really understand the style of what they were going through mm -hmm. and um that consistency was great, and I loved how they went about it. So, yeah, A minus. Well, um, I'm also an A minus for everything that's been said before. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your grade? Uh, a minus as well. You know, aside from what was already said, you know, I really enjoyed the film noir film feel of it, uh, and when you know the use of color and shadow and just kind of doing things uniquely and uh, kind of out of the norm for comic books. Final grades. Um, I'm going to give it an A minus. I think just consistently, I think it's a pretty solid book. It's not 
the greatest book that I've ever read, but it's definitely up there as something super fun and definitely something fun to, to pull out and read at Halloween time. Um, Mr. Todd, what is your uh, final grade? You know, A- minus for the whole thing. I um, really enjoyed it. I look forward to the next one. And it's they just, they've been super consistent lately with their quality level coming from Archie. So yeah, A-. minus. Well, uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, A- minus as well. Like, you know, this is fun. It's interesting. It like we did with like Sabrina and you know the afterlife with Archie it takes what we know turns it on its head and has fun with it and it's not afraid to be silly and campy and you know and violent when need be but it's not overly so like we said before this is kind of you know PG-13-ish so your your older kids could read it and I can't wait to see what happens next cool um and mr andy what is your final grade we're just all agreeing with each other here a minus uh this is great i i really enjoyed it a fun a little haunt of a read uh really enjoyed the hunger not to be confused with uh flick by tony scott by who tony scott's film the hunger Grade point average. So our final GPA is 3.7. I didn't have to do math for it because everyone gave me the, thir- the, the grade. So it's uh, an A minus grade point average for uh, for this book. Next week on Funny Books on Firewater. See, next week we are beginning our month of Robert Kirkman books. Uh, Robert Kirkman being a writer who's been around for a long time, also one of the heads of Skybound and Image Comics, probably most famous for non-comic fans as being uh, the guy who created The Walking Dead. Uh, so we're doing a full month of his books. We're going to start out with um, a very fun, uh, very blasphemous book called Battle Pope. Um, I love that book so much. Yes. Uh, and then I don't remember the order. I think it's Battle Pope, and then I think it's Walking Dead, and then Invincible. Is that correct? Sounds good to me. It's one of those two. I don't remember. I actually put them in chronological order as to when the first book was released. But it was uh, Walking Dead, Invincible, and Outcast, which is also uh, Walking Dead and Outcast have both been turned into TV shows. Uh, but next week we will be doing Battle Pope. Uh, the general gist for those of you who want to hear about it. It's uh, post the second coming um, and uh, basically all the good people have gone up to heaven and all the bad people are still stuck down on earth and God decides well, maybe I should do something for those people. And so Jesus is down here and so he has one Pope who uh, was basically being a horrible person while he was uh, alive in the Pope and so he is brought back to life and made a superhero so that he can battle the powers of hell, which is a very large corporation that everyone has to seem to work for. Um, so uh, you have basically a super muscular, very naughty pope. Uh, so uh, it's so pretty much like a uh, Catholic priest. But he's not into little boys, <laughs> I should say. Yeah, we'll see if that one makes it through editing. Um, so um, <laughs> It's National Nambla Day. No, uh, that might be the joke that I put in there just to cover up all the other awkward stuff that we took out. Uh, oh, so you'll, you'll let me. You'll let me hang out to drive. That's yes, right. I will. <laughs> Recommendations. I have two. Well, then go for it. All right. So one that just barely came out or about to be released is I've got it coming in on my in-stock trades order is they just released the 10th anniversary omnibus for Grant Morrison's um, opus of Final Crisis. This is the biggest omnibus DC has ever released. It's something like 1,600 pages, and it's the entirety of the Final Crisis of event. So people who want super intricate, crazy, long, humongous storylines, this <laughs> is the book for you. Apparently. Yeah, and then the other one I watched recently, um, similar to Jughead, The Hunger, is I'd recently watched the animated version of Batman Gotham by Gaslight, 
that takes a reimagining. It was a Mike Mignola Elseworlds book, and it puts Batman in the same time frame and is a peer of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. So you've got an early Batman trying to figure out this Jack the Ripper thing going on, and they also put it in the same auspices as the World's Fair. So it's kind of like a devil in the white city with Jack the Ripper and Batman and all of that going down all at the same time. It was a lot of fun, and it was well done. I'm glad to hear that, because I actually wanted to see it, and I was hearing mixed things about it. So So I quite enjoyed it. So, yeah. And if you have the DC Universe app, it's just included with that. Nice. Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam, do you have any recommendations? Uh, So, you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be in theaters for a bit, but... uh, you know, one of the the big movies that's getting Oscar buzz is A Star Is Born, starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. It is the uh, his directorial debut. And whose debut? Bradley Cooper. Okay. Uh, and you know, he stars in it as kind of an aging rock star, and he meets Lady Gaga, and while she's doing karaoke at a drag bar, and just realizes how much she can sing. So she he takes her on tour, puts her on stage. They end up becoming a couple. And she gets, she makes it big. And again, this is like the, the fourth retelling of the story. Uh, and they actually, become, you know, they fall in love, they get married. But through all this, his mental health problems and his addiction problems keep on coming to light, rearing their ugly heads. Uh, and But she stands tall and says, like, look, get your shit together or we're done. And I'm not going to say the rest because, I mean, everyone should know the end of the story. But if you don't, it's, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> but this is going to, you know, again, this is the first movie I've seen this year that's going to get, you know, a lot of reward stuff. Um, Lady Gaga completely disappears into her role. You don't realize, you know, you don't see her as, you know, the sing- the singer, this famous person. You see her as her character. So look for her for best actress. And I mean, this is going to be a tough act to beat. So I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. But definitely go see it. Cool, uh, Mr. Andy. Do you have any recommendations? I do. Uh, mine is a TV recommendation. Uh, I am a big fan of the show The Good Place, and uh, that is mm-hmm. that is now back. In its third season, uh, at the time that we've recorded this, I've only seen a little bit of that beginning first series, uh, but or of the third season. But it is bonkers, and it is so good, and uh, I just can't recommend it enough. Uh, the first two seasons are on Netflix and are definitely worth binge watching. Uh, and there is a companion podcast. That is done by Mark Evan Jackson, who uh, plays Sean in the show, uh, and he's delightful. And uh, this this show, if uh, if you have not been watching it, is definitely something worth picking up. Uh, there's only 13 episodes in each of the first two seasons. Uh, the basic premise is uh, that Ms. Eleanor Shellstrop uh, believes that she is dead. And she finds herself in the good place. The only problem is she's not who everyone thinks that she is. She's actually this this uh, trash bag from Arizona. Uh, her words, not mine. And uh, um, but the show ends up being about ethics and uh, what uh, you know how to become a better person. And uh, the show also keeps reinventing itself. Like every three to six episodes, it takes a weird right turn and it's completely different. Uh, It's absolutely great. It's one of the most compelling uh, things that's currently on TV and I am addicted to it. Watch The Good Place. Awesome. Nice. 
Something uh, I saw recently, though. So you have Kristen Bell from The Good Place. She was on Seth Meyers. He had her, Kristen Bell in the voice of the Gossip Girl reading because she did the voiceover for Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Reading Trump's tweets as if it was the voiceover from Gossip Girl. <laughs> and how well it works is terrifying. That doesn't shock me in the least. Well, it's also the same thing with uh, Mark Hamill doing those in uh, the Joker's voice, mm-hmm. too. That's true. That also works really well. Cool. Um, and then for my recommendation this week, uh, I think I've said it in the past. I've been on a serious hardcore anime and uh, manga kick. I don't know why, but I, I, I think I rediscovered anime and just have gone completely bonkers. Uh, but So I kind of have two recommendations. One of them is an anime that I've been watching on Crunchyroll. For those of you who don't know, Crunchyroll is sort of an anime service. Um, you can watch almost everything on there for free with ads, sort of like Hulu. But then if you pay for a, a, a subscription, you don't have to do that. You also have to pay for a subscription if you can watch it on your Apple TV, just so you're aware. Um, but it's called Megalobox, which is very much an, a pretty obvious Rocky-type story. It's in a, uh, But it's sort of hybrid of Rocky and... Uh, but it was real steel, I think, was the uh, the robot fighting things. It's basically these people who have robotic arms attached to them or, uh, to help their power um, and their speed when boxing. Um, and it's about a uh, it's in a futuristic society where there's this guy who doesn't have uh, essentially a card. He's not a citizen, so he can't really necessarily fight. But they're doing this big uh, uh, this big uh, sort of tournament to find out who's the greatest megaloboxer in the world and uh, he makes a deal with the mob to be able to get himself an id and he does that so that i think is really fun and the boxing technique on it is pretty darn accurate which is kind of cool um and then uh the other one is is that they made a movie of it they actually made an american version of the movie as well called old boy um i've been reading the original uh manga of it and it's different from the movie in a really good way. I still really love the movie for its own sake, but the uh, the manga has some, a different spread on it, and it's really pretty cool and pretty interesting. Goes some interesting places. Um, I have like about three books left in that, but I've been reading it and uh, really digging that. So those are my two recommendations. Uh, does anybody else have anything they want to throw in there? Nope. 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 Apparently not. Nope. Cool. Well, so that'll do it for us for this week and for our Halloween month. Uh, thank you, Andy Wilson, for joining us once again. We always love having you with us. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. You're more than welcome whenever you want. Especially, I nearly laughed when Adam was like, "Hey, do you mind if Andy jumps in this week?" And I'm like, "Andy doesn't need a request to jump well, in." Well, I always <laughs> want to ask just to you know because I, I know Andy's always welcome, but it's All like right. you know, it's I got to make sure it's it passes committee. Oh yeah, so, no, it's no. yeah. We're always happy to have you, Andy. Anytime you want, we're we're always happy to welcome you in with open arms. Uh, I may have to come back for some of the Kirkman stuff, especially Invincible. Okay. I love that book. I would love to have. I, I, that's one of my gateway drugs in a comic, so I would love to discuss it with you. And also, so, uh, Invincible is uh, free right now on Comicsology Unlimited. Because actually, while we were talking, I was on there, uh, kind of looking for some Halloween books, and that popped up as something that was free. So I awesome. I will check that like out. the entire run no, or just, just the, the, the first, first graphic novel just to get your thoughts oh okay yeah. cool good yeah good. awesome so there you go so if you want to read along with this A I recommend the hell out of that book B you don't even have to pay for it um, well I guess if you have Comicsology Unlimited you don't have to pay for it uh, so anyway so that'll do it for this week uh, join us next week for Battle Pope a book that has been on our list to do for forever and we're finally getting around to doing it we should do Battle Yay. Pug too a what? Battle Pug Battle Pug? Is there a book That's called a Battle thing? Pug? Yeah. Oh. Okay. We may have to do Battle Pug as well at some point in time, but we'll start out with Battle Pope. Uh, that'll be next week. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.